All right, welcome back to the High Motor Guy podcast alongside Colin Levesque. My name is Matt Weber. It's that time of year, championship weekend, one of the best weekends in sports. Uh, Colin is back, refreshed, probably has a, a bit of a suntan. He was in Vegas, although he's in Arizona, so uh, I guess he always has a suntan now. Uh, and his pats... Uh, a, a crazy game. Um, in fact, uh, all the games, uh, for the most part, were a, a bit crazy, except for the Seahawks-Panthers. That kind of played out how we expected, um, with uh, a close game early and then the Seahawks really pulling away um, in the second half. Uh, you know, big pick six and, and, and whatnot. But the, but we knew the Panthers would would play them tough at least for a while. Uh, but the Patriots get off to a slow start, and then they come back, and then there's some controversy, and then there's a late Joe Flacco interception. Uh, you had the Cowboys-Packers game, which was a terrific game, and then obviously tons of controversy in that one. And then you had a really old, creaky-looking Peyton Manning just get dominated by the Colts, and I don't think the Colts are that great. Um, so uh, all kinds of stuff to talk about. John Fox loses his job the next day. John Elway opens the press conference by saying, I just want to start out by thanking John Elway. I mean, John Fox. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but it was hysterical. Um, but uh, Colin, what's up, buddy? You were in Vegas. Uh, the Pats won. They're one game away from what you've been waiting for all year, a Glendale uh, Super Bowl return. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing well, Matty. Um, yeah, quite the weekend. It was... Uh... Man, I ran all the, the ran through all the emotions uh, on Saturday, and uh, you, you know it pretty well that that Vegas hangover um, it's different than the regular hangover. Oh yeah, nothing like You go like through it. those different stages where you know you're like, oh, I actually don't feel so bad, and then <laughs> you're going through the man, I'm having an anxiety attack. Like my, I just felt a heart palpitation, <laughs> and then back to drinking again and you're like you know what i don't feel so bad yeah it's different it's different stages so uh that How about- was going on during the middle of the pats game and the uh you know the two four point 14 point lead certainly didn't help that but uh but what a win though that was I, you know i did some uh, looking back over the last few days and um i i would put that pats win in the belichick brady era over basically Anything but the snow game um, as a non-Super Bowl right. win. That was probably the second best one that they've had. Uh, and I had some dialogue with Patriots fans about this uh, on Twitter and whatnot, and there were some good ones. Um, there was the 06 uh, game where they went into San Diego. San Diego had the best team in football that year. They were 14-2, and and they knocked them off. Um, and then there was another, uh, the 2001 AFC Championship game, which I think some Patriots fans, including Bill Simmons, we're under the impression that the Patriots kind of like won that game pretty easily. And uh, I, I remember Drew Bledsoe in the second half <laughs> almost giving that game away three times. Uh, so I pulled up that film this week and sent it out to some buddies and just said, hey, that was uh, by no means an easy win. Uh, but this was, a, this was one of the best uh, Brady performances and Brady wins uh, that he's had. So it was, uh, it was tremendous. And like you mentioned, all the games are pretty good. Um, and my wife is a big Green Bay fan, so – we watched that uh, the following day uh, in the sportsbook. So it was a lot of fun. Well, Brady, 33 of 50, 367 yards, three touchdowns, had a pick. Uh, he was spectacular. I, like you said, trailed twice by 14 points. I mean, which is – that's hard to come back from in any game, let alone a high-pressure playoff game against a good team. Um, but he, he was terrific and uh, really spread the ball around, and Gronk had a big game. Um, and uh, that was good to see from the Patriots' perspective. But just be happy that you didn't have the three-hour and 45-minute Vegas hangover flight. That, that's the worst, where everyone on that flight is looking at each other like, dude, if, if, if this plane doesn't land soon, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we actually drove. Um, oh, man, that, that might be, that might be worse. Monday. Yeah, we didn't come back until Monday, so I had a little time to kind of uh, rest up, you know? Yeah. Um, but you also have to keep in mind, too, the the uh, the Vegas trip with your, your guy friends and the Vegas trip with uh, your wife and uh, actually uh, her stepdad, which was awesome, great guy. Uh, but it, it's a little different dynamic, but uh, a lot of fun. And uh, took in a show, Manny. Saw the uh, Beatles love show. I don't know if – I'm. I know you're kind of like me. Uh, I'm not a big musical guy, but every now and then you have to indulge with sure. your girlfriend and your wife. And uh, we went to nine to five a couple of years ago in Chicago, and I was asleep in ten minutes. <laughs> um, and and this uh, this Beatles love show was fantastic. And really, the premise and the takeaway from that is, if you're you're writing music, you really want to 
start doing hallucinogenics because you're just going to write much better music yes. if you do that. Yes, yeah. and, I think and that's pretty much confirmed. And you told me you were potentially going to go see Willie Nelson. Did you end up doing uh, that? I, no, I actually did. I saw Willie Nelson on Friday night. That's awesome. Uh, tremendous at the House of Blues. And you're kind of thinking, um, this guy's 82 years old. Right. You're thinking he's going to come out and just be playing open chords and whatnot. He was killing it, Maddie. He was ripping, like, I didn't realize he's that good of a guitar player. He's one of the best I mean, guitar players in the world. It, people don't realize that. And I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. Um, I, 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 I celebrate his entire catalog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, he's, he's an amazing guitar player. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of people also don't realize how many hit songs he's written. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know what he played the night you saw him, but, I mean, he's, he's capable of reeling off 15 or 20 songs, and you're like, holy shit, I didn't even know Willie Nelson wrote yeah, that song. Yeah, I, I had no idea he had that many hit songs, and uh, and I was throwing out this quote all night. I was like, you know how much condoms were back in my day? And he goes, how much? He goes, I don't know. We didn't use them. <laughs> and uh, some some people got it and some people didn't. I was like, you never seen Half-Baked? <laughs> like, come on, baby. Oh, that's great, man. That's yeah. that's, that's terrific. Good, uh, good, good trip, though. A lot of fun. Well, I know you were in the sports books a little bit and probably maybe a poker room or two, maybe a blackjack table. Any uh, any any Vegas uh, up and down betting stories? Um, a little bit. Uh, we... You know, just uh, put some action down on a couple college basketball games. Sure. Um, hit on hit on a few of those. I actually remember text. I texted you early in the morning because I got a I got up early and I was trying to get in on that Indiana Ohio State game because I think uh, Ohio State's a little overrated and uh, they were playing in Bloomington. You nailed that one too. I didn't get to the window in time, um, and Indiana really took it to them. But uh, no, you know, we played some uh, three card poker. That's a lot of fun That's if you fun. have a group. Sure. Uh, similar to blackjack, where you you really want to try to get a game where everyone can get involved and you can kind of own a table together, um, and and that was a lot of fun. And then, yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, not the not the greatest weekend uh, picks wise that I gave out. I think I was one and three, but the uh, the New England game, I, I bet the Pats minus seven just because I was in Vegas and uh, you know I was like, oh, I got to take the Pats here. Uh, but I had a teaser with them. And Seattle, that got home, and then um, a couple other small plays, but nothing crazy. It was just, it was more of a, you know, just a hanging out type of weekend. So, but uh, college hoops is is in the full swing now. So this is a really fun time of year. We're just talking off air about Iowa's win last night and how if you're a, a white guard and you're not shooting over 80% from the free throw line <laughs> in Division One, it's an absolute embarrassment. Well, and, and betting on college basketball, um, different than the NBA for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest is you really can't trust guys making free throws. And, no, and when you need not. when you need an over to hit, or if you're betting against the spread, and, and you know you have a situation where you need a guy to hit a couple of big free throws, I mean, you might as well just just dial in the loss because <laughs> they're not making those free throws. You can yeah. almost tell. Yeah, and last night the kid from uh, Minnesota, they went up four, and he had a one and one, and he just bricked it, and uh, I, that got Iowa right back in the game about two minutes ago. <laughs> so. So before we look ahead to uh, the two uh, conference championship games, and of course uh, on the AFC side, it's Patriots-Colts, which I don't think uh, many people expected. And on the NFC side, just a terrific matchup that most people probably predicted, uh, a rematch from a, a game earlier in the season, and then of course the uh, the fail-mary game from last year, uh, Packers versus Seahawks up in the Pacific Northwest. That's a, just an awesome game. I don't have a dog in the fight, obviously, either way, but I'm looking forward to both of these games. We'll get into those in a minute, but... I know it's uh, it's been you know played out and, and, and talked about uh, in, in every which possible way, but I have to hear your thoughts on one the uh, ineligible receiver controversy in the Pats Ravens game, and then of course the the Des Bryant catch. Uh, you mentioned that your wife is a, a diehard Packers fan, and you were probably with a whole group of Packers fans, I imagine. Um, and uh, so they were obviously thrilled by that ruling. I uh, had the Cowboys in that game um, and, uh, and and ended up getting the cover, but. I, I don't I didn't care who won or lost, but I to me that was a catch, and I know the rule, uh, but to me that was still a catch. Uh, he he caught the ball, he established possession, and then he dove for the goal line, <laughs> and then the ball came out at the end, um, you know the ground causing it to pop out as he's reaching for the goal line. If if the ball would have broken the plane, it would have been a touchdown. Uh, so to me that was a catch. But what are your what were your thoughts on those two big controversial plays? Just because you know I know the, the the topics have been beaten to death, but I know that our listeners you know want to hear your opinion. On it. Well, yeah, I mean, the first the first one, uh, the New England-Baltimore game, I mean, Harbaugh just wasn't prepared for that. And Belichick did everything by the rules. Sure. Um, 
and it's just it's not it wasn't conventional. No one's really ever seen that before, and the officials uh, hadn't really seen that before. But I didn't really understand what his bitch was because, I mean, before every play, they were announcing who was eligible, um, and he he was saying that he, he, they were supposed to have time to be able to substitute on who was eligible, but they're announcing who the eligible receiver is before the play starts. So to me. That's just something that he, uh, Belichick really just pants them. And I don't think any coach would have known what to do there. Yeah. And uh, there, there was talks that a lot of that came from Chip Kelly um, back in his uh, UNH and Oregon Ducks days. Um, there's, there was talks that that's where that came from. Or he, he, uh, Chip Kelly had been meeting with Belichick in the offseason before he became the Eagles coach every year for about three or four seasons. And... That, that's where the Patriots got that up-tempo style, uh, where they do the, you know, if it's third and one, they run up to the line and Brady sneaks it. They, they got that from Chip Kelly. So uh, I thought it was genius. Man. I really did. I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, Harbaugh is a good coach, but he's going to complain regardless of what happens. And, he's going to bitch and moan. Right. You know? and, and Harbaugh, he saw what the Patriots were doing, and that's actually why he ran on the field to, to, to draw that penalty. Because he he recognized it, his defense wasn't smart enough to recognize it, and 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 f- and he felt like that they did they they didn't have enough time to recognize it because by the time the official reported who was eligible, uh, the ball was being snapped, and and I think that was his bitch, um, but I had no problem with it. Obviously, it was within the rules, and um, right. it's exactly. a it's a savvy play. It's deceptive, but it's not a, against the rules. Um, and Nick Saban actually did it earlier in the year uh, in an Alabama game, a regular season SEC game, and, and did it, I think, maybe against LSU. And uh, uh, was able to, to sort of confuse them. And you talked about you know maybe Chip Kelly having done that in the past too. So it's been done before, but not on that stage. And the Patriots certainly haven't done it before. And so there was no way the Ravens were expecting that. And it was a huge drive. Um, and uh, and really helped change the momentum in that game, but I didn't have a problem with it. I'm wondering if the NFL changes the rule or you know does something to alter that rule uh, just to take the deception out of it. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, um, but it's certainly within the rules at this point. What do you think about Des Bryant? Because that uh, that was a fascinating yeah, play to me. Th- yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a catch. One last thing too on that though if you ever if you've watched Oregon play this year too you just watched them a couple nights ago it's kind of similar when they do that muddle huddle on the extra points um that that's you're spreading the defense out as long as five guys are on the line of scrimmage uh and you you know you tell the referees who who is eligible right. if it's not a if it's not an offensive lineman that's the same premise you're just trying to confuse the defense so you do see it from time to time but uh yeah I love that I thought it was great it was the biggest drive of the game um, but you're right. On the catch, that's an absolutely a catch. There's no way. Yeah, I was sitting there with a guy at the sports bar, um, and he was a Packers fan, and we, and I was cheering for Green Bay too, just for uh, you know, for my wife's uh, to keep her happy. And we both looked at each other and we said, "That that's a catch. That's absolutely a catch. There's no way they're going to overturn this." And it's it was kind of um, it was so similar, Maddie, to the to the tuck rule. You know, yeah. when my when my dad and I watched, we were watching that game together, we looked at each other. We said, that's it. It's over. That's a fumble. Yeah. You know, and they came back and they overturned it. Uh, I think it's the same premise. It's it's the right call, but it's a flawed rule. You yeah. have to change the rule. Um, it's the Calvin Johnson rule in Chicago. I mean, it's the same thing. You can't. Uh, there's such a discrepancy of, like you said, if you're extending to the goal line or you're making a quote unquote football move. Um, it just, it, it contradicts itself when you're, the ground causes a fumble or you're, you're reaching the ball out. Um, it, it really, it doesn't make sense and they have to change that. And there, there's a few rules that have to be changed. We talked about it a lot this year, the, the, um, illegal contact when it's third and 27, the five yard illegal contact penalty, automatic first down that has to be changed. And I think that they have to go to, um, to replay for pass interference calls. The CFL did it this year, and apparently it worked out well. That's fascinating to me on both accounts. One, you're saying that uh, uh, the automatic first down, it shouldn't be. It should just be a five-yard penalty on well, yeah, it's, contact. It's like, remember running in the kicker used to always be a 15-yard penalty right. first down no matter what, and they changed it into five-yard penalty. Then you, if it's fourth and 12 and it's running into the kicker, it's five-yard penalty, you st- it's still fourth and fourth seven. Fourth and seven, right? exactly. Yep. Yeah. 
I, I agree with you. If you're going to call that that so tight as they've done this year, the illegal contact, and I don't have a problem with those them calling those, by the way, because I want receivers to to get open. Um, but but I agree. The the automatic first down is harsh when it's like you said, it's third and seventeen or whatever, and uh, you know you get a, a a situation, a receiver off the ball <laughs> gets uh, gets shoved by a corner, and then all of a sudden you get an automatic first down out of that. That that is that is definitely harsh. Reviewing pass interference though. Man, that would be tough. That would be difficult. Or maybe, or maybe with just within two minutes of each half. I think maybe something like that. Something you like know? that. Yeah, I, it's 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 such a judgment call, um, and, uh, and that would that would be tough. But it, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, if if it's worked in the CFL, I mean, I wouldn't have or, or try it out in the preseason and see what you think. Something like that. Yeah, and remember when they made the rule a couple years back too that every scoring play was going to be reviewed. That was a great rule change. Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing that they really, we've talked about this for about three years on the show. They have to keep the regular season officiating crews together. You cannot do the all-star official at each position and put them together in a playoff game. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked in five years. And you see these guys that they, they're a crew of guys that hasn't worked together all season. There's no chemistry uh, that you know, you could just tell it's off and it doesn't work and it's frustrating. Um, because you should be at uh, my feeling is that the crew should be graded collectively and the best crew should move on to the playoff games. I completely I like. agree with you. We've learned, um, over time now that uh, officiating crew is similar to like an offensive line, there's, there's continuity and chemistry involved and it's important. And it's it's not uh you know well he's the best at, he's the best line judge so so we'll pair him with the best you know official or whatever it, it doesn't work that way um so so yeah I'm with I'm with you on that there is there is some sort of cohesiveness that needs to take place uh, for the crew to run effectively and, and you're not getting that when you're when you're mixing and matching and you're doing it in the biggest games of the year um, before we look ahead to these two games, uh, the Bears are, are still obviously in a coaching search. I know a lot of our listeners, uh, most of our listeners actually, are, are probably Bears fans and are very interested in that. Uh, there's been some big-name coaches and some not-so-big-name coaches that have already been announced and are now off the list. Uh, Bowles, one of your guys that you liked, uh, was announced that he will be the next Jets head coach. Rex Ryan, officially introduced today as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, as the Buffalo Bills' new head coach. It just came out Jack Del Rio will be hired as the Oakland Raiders' head coach. And wow. Jim Tomsula uh, has been promoted um, to take over the San Francisco 49ers, which uh, was a, a little surprising to me. Uh, just because <laughs> you're, you're I've never heard of Jim him. Jim Tomsula? <laughs> I've never heard of him. Former, so. former head coach of the Rain Fire in the uh, NFL Europe League. Uh, and, and he looks kind of like Tom Selleck. He looks like a mixture of <laughs> Tom Selleck and... Uh, uh, Bob Brenly, <laughs> former <laughs> Arizona Diamondbacks World Series winning manager and former Cubs broadcaster. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Apparently a lot of guys respect him. Um, he's been the defensive line coach since 2007, uh, and he was promoted to take over for the, the departed uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so, what, you know, Jim, uh, John Fox uh, fired by John Elway, and uh, I don't know if you saw the press conference, but John Elway came out in front of the press and said, uh, I'd just like to start this press conference off by saying that, uh, uh, you know, we, we really want to thank John Elway. <laughs> and then he goes, I mean, uh, he goes, I mean, uh, John Fox, uh, John Fox. Uh, which was really funny, but uh, John Fox obviously interviewed in Chicago on Wednesday for the head coaching job. A lot of rumors saying that uh, that he is the top candidate and he wants to bring in Kyle Shanahan to run the offense. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking about that. If you have any thoughts about that, I, I, I do. I have one. My my thought is this, Matt, and tell me if I'm crazy here, but uh, you, you just had a season where in Chicago where the Bears players gave up on their coach. Okay. Yeah. Now you're going to bring in a guy whose whose players weren't prepared and didn't play hard at all in a in a divisional round game and got uh, got really outplayed by a, a lesser team at home as the two seed. Uh, I, I don't want that. And Elway was very clear about why he was moving in a different direction. Uh, I know they made the Super Bowl last year, but they got blown out. And then this year. If you look at what happened to them in the second half of the season, I mean, they went on a steady decline. And they, I mean, uh, what's his name? Well, I can't think of the coach's name for the Colts right now. Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano, really yep. just, pants, just pants John Fox. He did. On a huge stage. Um, and, and all the reports that are coming out of Denver is that the players just weren't playing for him. So 
uh, for me, that's the last guy I want to come into Chicago. Uh, that's just how I feel about it. He's had some success. I mean, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna deny that. He did. He had a pretty nice run in Carolina. He had a pretty nice run in New York as a defensive coordinator before he went to Carolina. But uh, for for me, I, I would I would prefer, and I said this last week, uh, an up and coming guy, a hungry guy, a guy that's gonna be not maybe not the rah rah type, but um, you know has. Uh, has the respect of the players. Uh, a guy like Todd Bowles, I think, fit that um, fit that criteria pretty well. I thought Rex Ryan would have fit that criteria pretty well. Um, but I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I wouldn't want to settle on John Fox just because he's available. And I, I listen to people talk about these guys. I listened to the Chicago media this week. They're talking about this guy like he's, you know, Bill Belichick or something because he went to a Super Bowl or he went to two Super Bowls. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case, and uh, for me, it's almost like they're going to hire him just because he's, you know, now the best candidate available. I, what are your thoughts? Well, for me, I mean, just as a fan, what are you more excited about? Um, uh, an established guy that's been fired from a couple of places, but you know what you're going to get, or an up-and-coming guy who you don't know exactly what you're going to get, and it could crash and burn, as we saw with Mark Trestman, but it could turn into a situation where you have a John Harbaugh or you know you have a Bruce Arians, or you have a Chuck Pagano, or you have one of these young, not necessarily young, but as far as head coaching experience is concerned, young up-and-coming uh, guys that end up being really good coaches and have a lot of success. You know, Mike Tomlin, you mentioned uh, last uh, week. Uh, for me as a fan, I'm more excited about that guy, and part of it's because of the unknown. You don't know what you're going to get. Are you, are you, are you, do you have the next Bill Belichick on your hands, and you don't even realize it? You know what I mean? Um, because he hasn't really gotten the full shot before. As opposed to a guy like John Fox, who uh, I don't think he's a bad coach, and I think he can certainly you know, get the Bears to, to the playoffs, and, and if they put the right players in there, he can be a, a guy. But he's not a, uh, he's not a program guy where it changes your whole program. You know what I mean? And, and as a fan, I think I would be more excited about uh, bringing in a Bruce Arians that's going to come in and just change the program, change the culture completely, and, and build something with him as your leader and as your guy for the next 10, 15 years and, and try to actually have some, some sustained levels of success. Now, if you were bringing in a Jim Harbaugh, um, a guy that's, that's had a lot of success, and, 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 and you're bringing him in to be your head coach, that's different. But John Fox is a guy that... I don't know. I don't. I mean, the 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 Super Bowl last year was they they brought in Peyton Manning and you had a lot of talent and yeah he just kind of led the ship there but it was really Peyton Manning's team in Carolina yeah he had some success in Carolina and Jake DeLone was his quarterback but that was a long time ago and he ended up you know wearing out his welcome in Carolina so uh, so yeah I I think I'm with you I think I'd rather go the the uh, what's his name Terrell Austin. Um, route or a guy like that, kind of an up-and-coming guy that uh, you feel like you can really build something with. Uh, yeah, and I, I look around the league right now, um, it just varies on, you know, you look at some of the assistant coaches that were, you know, highly regarded that came out and ended up being head coaches. A guy like Mike McCoy. I think that was a guy people really were felt confident was going to be a good coach because of what he did in Denver. Uh, and he's done a pretty good job in San Diego. You know what I mean? Mike Tomlin's another example. Yes, absolutely. Even Bill O'Brien in Houston. I know I rip on him all the time, but that guy can coach. Yeah, they're he's building proven, something there. They are. He's, yeah, that's he's proven it at different levels, uh, you know, collegiately and in the NFL. So uh, my, my concern is that you get in a situation here where you're just, you're just picking – now you're almost – going to be forced to take John Fox just because you've missed out on some other candidates for whatever reason. Um, and then in two years, you know, are you going to be stuck with another situation where you're saying, wow, this team doesn't give a shit. You know, that's, that's what I'm concerned about. And there's a difference too, between the retread guys like Andy Reed and John Fox. There's a huge difference between those two. Andy Reed won, went to five straight or four straight NFC championship games. He won 11 games almost every year right. he was in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? There's a different level of pedigree there. And he never um, had Peyton Manning. Exactly. I mean, people are talking about, oh, he won a division title with Tim Tebow. Well, they went 8-8, eight and eight, and they lost their <laughs> last three games, okay? So they were 8-5. and five. They, they lost their last three. They limped into the playoffs. They did get a playoff one. And they went to New England, and they lost 55-10. to 10. So it's not like... He's this magician, you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's had Peyton Manning for three years, um, and L.A.'s whole thing was they should have won a title in those three years. They went, L.A. went all in, and I don't blame them for doing that. 
but I think after this year, particularly with that defense they had this year, they had a damn good defense. If you yeah. look at that defense up and down, at least as on far paper, as talent goes, they underachieved big time, and that's you put that on Del Rio and you put that on John Fox, absolutely one hundred percent. And and Del Rio or Del Rio parlayed it into a head coaching job, which is uh, is something else. I will say it's this: it's unbelievable. Just be it's happy. Unbelievable, Manny. Just be happy that you're still not in Chicago because there were actual Chicago media people that were really upset that Gary Kubiak turned down the uh, the option of, of getting interviewed for the head coaching job. There were people upset, like that, really thought Gary Kubiak was the answer. It's 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 crazy to me. Now I'll give him credit; he's done well as a coordinator. Shit, he won two Super Bowls as a coordinator in Denver, but he he hasn't been able to handle it or hack it as a head coach. We've seen that in Houston for four years. We saw his divisional record. He was in Houston for much longer than four years, wasn't he? Or or seven years, whatever. Sorry, I'm just thinking how long we've been doing the show and ripping on him. Um, But his his (laughs) divisional record was bad. His record against uh, teams with over 500 records was bad. His playoff record was bad. Yeah, that's not the guy you want. You want someone that's going to come in and um, really be hungry and get after it, like Mike Tomlin was when he came into Pittsburgh. Everyone was saying, well, who the hell is this guy? And he's done a pretty good job there. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to another Super Bowl. So I'll stop ranting, but uh, to me, I don't think John Fox is the fit, no. And I and and Bruce Arians was a, was a perfect opportunity, and uh, you know the fact that uh, you know I don't want to bring this up again, but I will. The fact that Rod Marinelli <laughs> was was pick, handpicked as the defensive coordinator, you had him sit in on the interview process. He told you Bruce Arians far and away is the best candidate, and that Tressman was basically a joke. And you hired you undercut him and hired Tressman after you 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 know he does that favor for you and then he bolts and now he just got a contract extension you know to remain as defensive coordinator under Jason Garrett who got a contract extension down in Dallas and they seem to have something rolling down there and some continuity. I mean the Bears have just dropped the ball so much in the last couple of years on this behind the scenes you know stuff we didn't even know about that's just coming out now. It's really depressing and I I really don't see a clear turnaround in in, in short order here. Yeah they have some talent. Um, yeah, you have a couple of building blocks, I guess, but, uh, you know, you, it's not like you have, it's, you know, I feel like the Vikings are closer than the bears are. I feel like I, the, I was just going to bring up Mike Zimmer. That's, yeah. that's the guy you want coaching the bears. Yeah. I feel like, like I, someone like that. Mike Zimmer is a guy that we like on this podcast and you know, the Vikings don't have much talent and the bears beat the Vikings this year. But, but you know, you feel like the, his players are playing for him. They have some young pieces that, you know, you can get excited about and they, they're, they're building something. Whereas the Bears, uh, you know, if you bring in John Fox, is he a guy that you're going to build something with? Or is he a guy that is more of a, you know, a Doug Collins type guy in the NBA that's going to get you from, from point A to point B, but can't get you from point B to point C and ends up burning out and, and you know, either quitting or getting fired after three years? Uh, you know, that's what I feel like John Fox is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's one last thing, Matty. Terrell Austin, I mentioned it last week again. Uh, I, I, for whatever reason, he's getting no uh, recognition. But to see what he did with that defense this year that's had talent for the last four years, and Jim Schwartz couldn't do a damn thing with it, to see what he went in and did this year with that defense and completely turned it around with some huge holes in the secondary. I mean, he turned that defense into a top-five unit this year. Um, and I think that's tremendous. So hopefully he gets the job, but I don't see it happening. I feel like they're going to settle with someone that's just a, a big name and went to a Super Bowl, you know, 15 years ago uh, or, or last year for, for whatever, but was just fired for um, his team not showing up and playing hard in the playoff game. <laughs> well, let's not forget, uh, you know, how close Detroit was to beating Dallas, too. Um, to, oh, to, to show yeah. you uh, even even more uh, in Dallas, and 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 you know he was a big part of that. And Jim Schwartz just got canned in, in Buffalo. Rex Ryan was like, "Yeah, get him out of here." <laughs> yeah, and I, I tweeted it out. I was like, "Well, how long before Chicago media is going to say Schwartz is a great a great fit for the Bears head coaching gig?" Well, thank God Chicago media is at least aware of how bad Schwartz is because we saw Jeez. him and we we beat his ass in Detroit every single year when he was. I was the coach like, there. Uh, it just blows my mind, man. He's Colin Levesque. My name is Matt Weber. We do this podcast every week. We appreciate you tuning in. Just a couple more shows left uh, before we wrap up the 2014-2015 edition of the High Motor Guy podcast, our fourth season. You can follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Follow Colin at C underscore Boogie 33. You can follow me at Matt Weber. That's Matt with three T's on Twitter. We're uh, tweeting out plays, trying to tweet uh, you know, some funny stuff out from time to time and, and a lot of sports stuff. Colin and I pretty much watch everything, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, college 
college pro. We we watch it all. Um, so uh, so stay tuned to that. Uh, let's get into it, man. Uh, we'll do the Pats game last because it's the second game of the doubleheader, and because uh, we like to keep our Bears and Pats stuff toward the end of the podcast. Obviously, Bears haven't been playing in the last couple of weeks, seven of the last eight years too. Um, but uh, so we'll get to that. We'll get to them second. But let's start. Terrific game, NFC title game. Um, I have the Seahawks here as an early seven-point favorite. Uh, both the Packers and Seahawks um, big-time um, wins uh, this past week. Uh, Seattle struggled a little bit with Carolina. You knew Carolina had some momentum, so you knew that would be somewhat close. Uh, I picked the over in that one. It finished at 48, uh, so I was right there. Um, and I, I think the over hit, actually, Colin, uh, which uh, – uh, I was all over, even though their their last three meetings had been low scoring, like twelve to six and and you know, uh, eighteen to six type games, uh, forty eight points uh, on Sunday, and then the Seahawks actually covered that lofty spread too. I also had Dallas uh, with the points, and uh, and they covered too uh, last week. But this is a terrific game. Aaron Rodgers a little banged up, but still made all the throws on Sunday. Just can't quite run as well. Seattle's defense looks as good as ever. Uh, Chancellor and Thomas are just a joy to watch in that defensive backfield for Seattle. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, that was a great game. Uh, that Carolina Seattle game, I thought was tremendous. Yeah. And the score really kind of wasn't a good, uh, you know, didn't give a good indication of what type of game it was. Uh, as Carolina's going down to, to score and make it a, a one score game and cam throws the big pick six, which, uh, was, was brutal. Um, cause I was kind of cheering for Carolina cause I, I just don't really like Seattle. Yeah. Um, and yes, you did hit that was over, that, uh, over under was 40 actually. So yeah. that went well over yeah, baby. total there. Um, but yeah, great game. And really the question here for everyone is going to be how's Aaron Rodgers calf. Um, we know right away we were watching that game last weekend, and we could tell he was hurting. Um, but what he did in the second half was tremendous. I mean, he really was unbelievable and really kind of bailed out Mike McCarthy. Um, I tweeted at you during that game, too, and something along the lines of, wow, McCarthy's getting outcoached in a big game. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Rodgers really just put the team on his back, and, uh, man, that touchdown oh my God. Devontae Adams. Was, uh, that was unbelievable. He threaded the, between the sports, two guys on the line. That was incredible. Yeah, the sports book was going absolutely crazy, Matty. Um, and, and if Green Bay converts on the two-point conversion on the second score, they ended up covering that five-and-a-half. Uh, but then, of course, if Dez catches a catch, they probably don't even win the game. Right. So, um, so a lot of times you'll see this, too. Uh, we saw this a couple years ago with Denver. I mean, uh, with Baltimore. Uh, advancing on the essentially Hail Mary pass to Jacoby Jones. Uh, a lot of times if you have a good team that gets out of the scare, like New England did against Baltimore, if you get out of the, if you get out of a game that you maybe not, shouldn't have won, uh, a lot of times the, the, the teams will ride that momentum to a Super Bowl and like, like Baltimore did a couple years back. Sure. Uh, I don't know that will happen here, but one interesting thing to look at in this game is, I was looking at it today. If you looked at Seattle's opponents in the last probably seven or eight weeks of the season, um, it was mostly divisional opponents, and they didn't see really one good quarterback the entire way. Um, you're, I'm talking Kansas City, Arizona, San Fran, Philly, San Fran again, Arizona, St. Louis. Uh, and, of course, Cam last weekend. I thought Cam actually played pretty well. I mean, he showed me something. Until the pick he six, showed, he, he did play well. I agree. Yeah, I agree. the pick six was brutal. But I, I think he showed that the secondary, you know, it, it, they can be – you can throw the ball against them. Um, and, and we saw Greg Olson, the former bear, have a, he had a big game. So I'll be interested to see what happens here. I think this is a different Green Bay team than, uh, than they were in week one when they went up to Seattle and – they just they had a sloppy preseason. They weren't just you could tell they weren't playing as a team. Um, but on the other side of that, what really concerns me about Green Bay and what really favors Seattle um, is uh, we've talked about this all season is the Green Bay run defense. They, uh, they, they the Dallas offensive line really pushed them around up front, and uh, they gave up 5.1 yards per rush and uh, I think 150 yards rushing. So uh, that that would be my big area of concern if I'm a Green Bay fan. But uh, if Rodgers, you know, if he plays like he did in the second half of last week and like he did against the Patriots, I mean, they could beat anybody. So it's really going to come down to this would be maybe the best matchup of the weekend or it would be the best matchup of the weekend if he was fully uh, 100%. But we'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, and uh, so do you have a pick against the spread in this one? I, I don't right now. I mean, I, I'm going to have to look at it a little bit closer okay. when we get down uh, closer to game time. For now, I'd probably lean uh, Seattle if it was seven. I, I believe it opened at seven and a half. If it was seven and a half, I would probably look Green Bay. Uh, but it's seven now, and I don't think it's moving off of seven. I think it's going to sit right there. Same with the Pats Colts game. I don't think it's seven's going anywhere. So if it was at seven, I'd probably lean Seattle. Uh, but if it was over that, I would probably look at Green Bay. I think the play here, and that's all. That's good analysis, and a lot of it does depend on Aaron Rodgers' calf, which magically looked healed in the second half uh, <laughs> on Sunday. Um, but uh, I think the, the the lock here is the over. Uh, I think this is a high-scoring game, and uh, when I look at that over/under at 47, um, and I've even seen 46 and a half in some books, uh, th- to me this is a lock. I think this is this gets 15 to 20 points over that total, and uh, I like Seattle to uh, to win the game. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, a back-and-forth game. I think it's going to be similar to the Baltimore-New England game, where you know I could see Green Bay jumping out to a lead, and then Seattle uh, making a comeback and kind of getting the crowd into it, home field-wise, and you know maybe rallying back from a two-score deficit to win in a high-scoring game. Very similar to uh, the, uh, the the Pats and uh, Baltimore Ravens game, even a similar score. Like I would go, you know, Seattle 35, Green Bay 31, something like that. Um, where Green Bay covers the seven, but I'm more, much more confident in the over in this one. And just a couple of, of trends that uh, that I looked up. Both teams uh, playing well, obviously. Seattle 6-0-1 against the spread in their last seven. They're 5-0 and straight up in their last five games. Green Bay 8-1 and straight up in their last nine games. Uh, but an interesting thing here that's not too surprising, but the Packers over has gone uh, – the uh, total has gone over in 14 of their last 21 games, um, dating back to last season. So they, they really hit the over a lot. Uh, I see that being the case here on Sunday. I do think the Seahawks squeak by. As a Patriots fan, are you more scared of the Seahawks or a healthy Packers team in the Super Bowl? I would be more afraid of a healthy Aaron Rodgers uh, on a neutral field. Absolutely. Really? But both of these teams are really good. I mean, Seattle's a top-ranked team coming into the postseason uh, by Vegas power rankings. So, and they're, they're number uh, one in every defensive category. Yeah, every their defense is, you see, they play on a different level. Uh, Cam Chancellor, I mean, Holy that guy's cow. unbelievable. He's incredible. That, did, you, did you see the the blocked field goals where he's jumping oh over God. the line of scrimmage? <laughs> it was did awesome, you, and he did it twice I was, like, I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> I was playing cards, and I was looking over, and I had a few drinks on me. I was like, is this really happening? That, <laughs> did he just do that? I, I couldn't believe that. He timed the like, snap wow. count perfectly twice in a row. <laughs> Like, how do you do that? Change the snap count. Yeah, call time out for crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Sherman, uh, you know Thomas. You're talking about Wagner in the middle. Um, uh, you know My- Michael Bennett. I mean they're just loaded defensively. So we'll see. This should be a good contest. I, I hope it's just. A- I'd like to see a good game. Um, Really, to me, this is no different than the Final Four in the college basketball tournament. Your goal in the beginning of each season is to win your division and get to the Final Four. Uh, and you get in these, you get into the Final Four. It's really just a coin flip, to yeah. be honest. With you. And you ask any San Francisco fan over the last three or four years if they know what I'm talking about, and uh, I'm sure they'll be nodding their head. You know, they were about two or three bounces away each year from uh, from going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. No doubt. Uh, and every Patriots Super Bowl. They've been in with Belichick or Brady. Uh, they've won three, they've lost two, and all five have gone within one or two plays uh, of going e- either way. So, No question it about it. No question about it. Um, I'm telling you right now, though, lock in the over 47 right now. Lock it in. Uh, big bet on the over in this uh, Green Bay Seattle game. Uh, I think it's the uh, the best play, actually, of the whole weekend. Uh, this is what everyone's been waiting for. Colin's been looking forward to this day forever. He uh, predicted early in the season that the Patriots would make it to the Super Bowl and that he would go because he now lives in the Glendale area. And, of course, the Super Bowl's in Glendale this year. Um, I'm a little surprised that you said you'd rather face Seattle as a Patriots fan, but uh, we'll revisit that next week should uh, it, it come to fruition because um, I'd be scared to death of Seattle. Green Bay, I feel like, even though Green Bay beat the Pats in the regular season, I just think Green Bay's defense sucks, and the, the Patriots can win a shootout against them. Yeah, I, th- I think if Rodgers is 100%, uh, they're about even, I think. Yeah. But, you know, I, I definitely 
I'm concerned about Seattle's a very, very good Seattle's the best team in the NFL right now. No, so, no doubt about it. Let's take a look at this line here. Um, like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Patriots early seven point favorites. The total is much higher in this one. Uh, I have 53 and a half. Obviously, the Colts and Pats both have great offenses. Their defenses uh, have been a little up and down. The Patriots have been more consistent on defense than Indy. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone expected Indy to be here. Uh, and, you know, that's a little scary because they're going to kind of come in with nothing to lose. Um, they got smoked by the Patriots earlier in the year in New England. Uh, I think that was – was that a Sunday night game or was that an afternoon game? I can't remember. Uh, it was a Sunday night game uh, in Indianapolis, actually. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yep, that's right. It was in Indianapolis, and we thought it would be a much better game because the Colts have been really good at home, and the Patriots just dominated them um, and, and really took it to them. And that was when the Patriots were really clicking on all cylinders. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on this one? I, I know, you know, you got, you're a little bit nervous. Uh, you mentioned, you know, if you make it to the final four, anything can happen. You're one or two plays away from, uh, from staying home or, or, or going to Glendale. But I, I feel like I'd be much more confident, uh, against the Colts than I would be against the Broncos or than I was against the Ravens. Uh, I just, this Colts team just doesn't scare me. No, and I said it last week, the Ravens were the only team I was really worried about in the AFC. Uh, and that was the one team I didn't want to see. And, uh, as you can see, they, they come into Foxborough and they don't, I mean, they have... Yeah, they're not scared at all. <laughs> they're not scared, exactly. They're going to come in, and Flacco's terrifying in the playoffs. He really is. He and was incredible stats, until that late interception. I mean, he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. those stats that he's been putting up in the postseason, uh, that, that's no joke. That's big time. I mean, those numbers are just mind-blowing. Um, and, and he's terrifying. He really is. The fact that he can just put... Uh, you know, bad games in the regular season completely behind him and lock in for the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm really thrilled that they won that game. Um, but this one here, I mean, uh, Indianapolis, let's give them credit here. And I, I probably overlooked this last weekend. Uh, when you look at Pagano against Peyton Manning over his career, he's really done a nice job against him. Uh, and he's, he's stymied him a few times, whether that be in San Diego um, or when he was in Baltimore, he gives Manning some fits. Um, so I, I probably overlooked Pagano a little bit in that sense. And uh, but then you have to look at John Fox too. You're 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 coming in against a team that's a, a top a bottom ten run defense that doesn't do well against the run, and he's going to come out and try to throw it with his injured quarterback. Makes no sense. I, I mean, what are we thinking here? What you have a you have a great running back. Uh, a pretty good offensive line. You're at home. You should be. They should have been pounding the ball against this Colts uh, defensive line that doesn't stop the run well. And he's out here trying to chuck the ball in cold weather. It made no sense at and, all. And so, Peyton's overthrowing uh, every single receiver by like 12 yards. Yeah, <laughs> it's it hard to watch. I mean, did John Fox watch any of the Patriots Colts game this year when the Patriots rushed for? Uh, I mean, they put up 500 yards of offense and yeah. almost 300 yards rushing. Uh, I mean, I, I, it just it, it baffles me. So. I think you're going to see a lot. Um, now, uh, now, granted, the Colts have played better against the run in the last four or five weeks, but uh, I, I would look to New England here to pound the run again. And um, to, to me, I, I still don't. I'm still not super high on Andrew Luck on the road. I think he's going to make mistakes. He played pretty well last weekend, but um, uh, Akib Talib had another terrible postseason game, which wasn't a surprise to Patriots God, he fans. Was awful. And T.Y. Hilton won't be running wide open down the middle of the field like that. That just that's not going to happen. So uh, I'll, I'll probably lean Patriots here uh, with the seven again. This will be something I'll look at closer towards game time. But I just don't see um, you know Boom Herons giving the Colts a little bit of a, an improvement in the run game, but. If you remember the game up in New England last year in the playoffs, uh, they really just they blew them out. They blew the Colts out by a significant margin. Uh, and I, I know this team's a little bit different. The Colts have been playing better. I don't want to get too cocky, but I think the Pats could win this game something like 24-10 to 10 or – uh, you know, 24-13, something on those lines. So you like the Pats to cover, and it sounds like you like the under, too. If you, Those are pretty low scores with the uh, the 54 total. Yeah, um, that's a, a pretty high total for yeah. an Indianapolis team. If you look at their road games this year, um, other than the Cleveland game, they're kind of suspect on the road as far as scoring. I mean, they put up some points against some crappy teams, but against some of the better teams they played on the road, uh, they've been kind of held in check. And I, I, I just don't see how are they going to score in New England? 
And trending-wise, a, a couple of uh, stats I'll throw it out. The Colts, uh, on the Colts side of things, um, the total has gone under in five of Indy's last five games. So five for five uh, under. And then New England, not that different. Uh, the total has gone under in five of their last seven games. So both teams are, are trending toward defense. Um, uh, of course, the, the Pats game went over last week, but uh, the Colts game was well under uh, against Denver as that was a 24-13 to 13 final. Um, Patriots have really been struggling against the spread, 2-4 and four in their last six games, whereas the Colts, they cover. Whether they win or lose, they, they tend to cover. They're 16-6-1 against the spread in their last 23 games, really dominant against the spread. Um, but the Patriots are 11-2 and two straight up in their last 13 games, and you know they win even when they don't cover, um, as we saw against Baltimore, as we see against the Jets twice per regular season for some reason every year. The Patriots always win but never cover. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a lot of that. The Pats don't really care about covering. They'll, they'll get conservative. Uh, Belichick even kind of mismanaged the clock a little bit uh, on, on Saturday at the end of that game, but by, by taking a knee and, and giving the Ravens a chance at a Hail Mary, which had to make you hold your breath a little bit. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm probably, you know, I'm a little nervous about this one. Not, I, I don't think the Colts have a chance to win, but just from a betting perspective, um, my, my, uh, my thoughts think that the over should be the play here, but th- those trends are telling me, you know, you know, pick the under and, and, and pick more of a 24 to 13 score like you're talking about. And then I also think that, uh, the Patriots are, are seven points better than the Colts. So I, I think you're looking at a push there, um, which doesn't, you know, entice me to make a play on either side. So as far as I sit right now, as we record this on a Wednesday night and you listen on Thursday or Friday or Saturday before the games, I, I'm staying away from this game uh, from a betting perspective. Um, I just I don't know what side here. I feel so confident uh, that uh, the in, in the over in the other game that I'm going to put a significant bet on that one. Play money, of course, what we're talking about. And I think the, the, the Packers are the play to cover the spread against Seattle. I feel good about both of those. Uh, but I do not feel good either way, uh, betting wise, in this one. But I think I, I think the Patriots win this game. I, you know, even if they don't pull away, I think this is a game that they're they're comfortably in control of the entire way. I, I agree, and uh, I mean, uh, again, I don't want to get too cocky, but when I go back through the years here, as far as AFC Championship opponents in Gillette or in Foxborough. Um, other than the Mark Brunel Jacksonville Jaguars in 1996, this is probably um, the, you know the easiest opponent we'll have to get to the Super Bowl. Because if you go back and you look, I mean, you're talking Baltimore, you're talking San Diego when Rivers was uh, playing with Tomlinson, um, you know, you're talking Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, you're talking about some big big time teams, and I, I just don't see it with this team, particularly on the road. I mean, they're impressive last weekend, but. I mentioned it earlier that Denver team was trending downward the last four or five games yep. of the season. I think Peyton's so. hurt. I mean, I, I really, I don't think it was a yeah. John Fox thing as much as it was Peyton Manning hasn't been himself for the last six weeks, and you can tell. Yeah, and the and the defense played por- very poorly. They did. I mean, they, I don't even know that Von Miller, Demarcus Ware even suited up in that game. <laughs> Were they even uh, there? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but again, that defense talent wise is probably tops in the league, and they they had absolutely no show. You made a good point, and if we have any Colts fans uh, that, that tune in, I'm not sure that we do. That we, we don't that I know of, but, but I'm sure we probably have at least a handful. Um, Colin mentioned it earlier, uh, a positive. Boom Heron has been a huge lift to that running game. He's added toughness to that running game. He's added the ability to convert on third and short, which they did not have with Trent Richardson. Um, and ever since Ahmad Bradshaw went down, uh, they were not running the ball at all. I mean, it was it was Andrew Luck chucking the ball 55 times a game, and and it really made them one dimensional. And they struggled because of it. And when they played New England the first time, they had no running game. Um, and the fact that Heron, had, you know, he's not great. He's not going to blow the doors off or anything. But he is absolutely serviceable, uh, if not a little bit better than serviceable. And he he gave them some toughness against Denver uh, on some uh, fourth down conversions and on some some goal line type situations where he was able to pound the ball in there and they didn't have to risk a throw out in the flat uh, and, and have to settle a field goal, settle for a field goal because of that. So if you're looking for some Colts positives, I think he's been a great positive. Uh, we know about T.Y. Hilton. We know about Andrew Luck. Um, we, we know that, uh, you know, you still have Reggie Wayne, although he's, uh, in the twilight of his career. Moncrief has been a nice player. Um, but I think Heron has been a significant pickup and their defense, like you said, is a little bit better the last few weeks. 
uh, tough loss yesterday. All right, Brain. You don't like me, and I don't like you. But let's just do this, and I can get back to killing you with beer. And I'd like to address the quarterback situation right off. Uh, you idiot. Uh, nine turnovers in two games is, uh, is um, absolutely ridiculous. I did not know that. And... Um, and beyond that, I, I think it's important that the players understand that, the coaches understand that. And then, Jesus, what a cluster. Uh, uh, Losing his mind. The people that are around me in this building uh, understand that. Other than that, uh, it really doesn't matter to me. There absolutely was uh, some Andrew W. Reed nominees, Colin. I, I know. Uh, oh, no, there's a clear winner. He's, you already mentioned it. It's Bill uh, Belichick. Uh, no, <laughs> no question about it, Matty. I was celebrating. I was doing shots and high-fiving people in the bar. Came over. And all, and all of a sudden, I looked over, and I was like, wait, what the hell is going on here? I see Jacoby Jones back to take a punt. Of course, we remember he's the one that caught the Hail Mary from Flacco on that right. Denver game a couple years back. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. What what happened? There was a minute 39 to go. And then the Hail Mary bounces. Oh, oh my, my God. The Hail Mary was like, oh my, my heart God. stopped. It bounced up in the air. You're like, no. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We're going <laughs> to. So Belichick, I mean, if, if they lose that game that, that way, uh, wow. So, yeah, he's, he's going to get it this week. And uh, as we know, he, he had a great game other than that, but. The clock management, I mean, that's just inexcusable. There was a minute 39 to go. I mean, what <laughs> the hell are we doing? And Harbaugh was great. He saved the timeout for, for the, the third down play. Usually a coach yeah. will use it right away, and he saved it for the third down play, which guaranteed a punt, which I thought was terrific. Right. Why don't more coaches do that? I don't know. They always take it right away. And uh, he's like, no, I'm going to save it for the third down play, have the clock stopped, and guarantee a punt situation. Um, based on how you ran the three plays previously, which I, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, and you and I have both been John, John Harbaugh fans for a long time. He's a great, uh, he's, he's a great he's, coach. He's, he's tremendous. He really is. And you get you got to give that. It pains me to say this, but you got to give that organization some credit. They're very non Ray Rice stuff aside, football wise, they're they're very well run uh, with Ozzie Newsome all the way down to Harbaugh. They're well coached. Uh, they come up in big games. They play physical. Uh, they're a very, very well-run organization. and uh, I think the Patriots were, were fortunate to beat them, but I, I'm moving on. We're on to uh, Indianapolis. On to Indianapolis, baby. He's Colin Levesque. <laughs> My name is Matt Weber. Hopefully next week we're – previewing a Patriots trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, in my opinion, it will be against the Seahawks, which I think would just be a terrific matchup. Um, Denver versus Seattle was a great matchup last year on paper. Didn't turn out so in the game, but on paper, it, you know, it was the two best teams in the NFL all year, and it was a terrific matchup. This year, it would be Seattle versus New England, two best teams all year long. Um, and uh, would just be awesome. But for our Packers listeners out there, the Packers would certainly be a fun matchup too, uh, so that wouldn't be terrible. Um, but uh, but really looking forward to it. We'll talk to you next week. Colin, uh, I'm glad that, that the hangover's over, <laughs> that uh, you're, you're back uh, in full stride here after a Vegas trip, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to a, a good Super Bowl matchup. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care.